All right, welcome everyone to episode 13 of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. As always, with me, my co-host is Ian, and with yours truly, Marco. And so we have an extremely, extremely short episode for you guys today. We know that we have another episode coming later in the week. Uh, but, you know, we were just excited. We wanted to get a, a couple minutes of your time, hopefully make, uh, you know, the, the early part of your week go by a little bit quicker. So, uh, Ian, how are you feeling? I'm doing great. On the way to race week, couldn't be better. Exactly, yeah. So, um, as I had mentioned earlier... We will be having another episode later in the week that will cover we'll cover more about the upcoming Grand Prix in France, and so we're not going to get into that right now. Uh, we're going to just really talk about recent headlines, and then we're going to do our driver spotlight, which is covering Sergio Perez. So, uh, getting right into it, uh, the recent headline that we have for you today. It is actually the only headline that we care to talk about, the only headline that this Eaton Asphalt podcast is focused on right now. And the headline is, will Nikita Mazepin be forced to leave Formula One after all? I mean... And, uh, I mean, I, I heard that, I, I read it, and my jaw dropped. <laughs> and I just had no idea where, we were, where this was going to go. And the, the article I was reading really didn't seem like they were the biggest fan of Nikita saying that, you know, it's kind of about time and all this issue with, with his past. And, um, that wasn't about it at all, actually. So, uh, according to Nikita's billionaire father, Dimitri, uh, who, as most of you guys know, is a majority shareholder of Haas's sponsor. And, uh, as they put it in the article, quote, the key reason that Nikita competes in formula one end quote, Nikita has been notified that he must join the Russian army. So Russia does military requirements for men between the ages of 18 and 27. Obviously, with Nikita falling into that age group, uh, he is qualified and uh, has been reached out to joining the army. Uh, There's a couple things that seems like could happen from that. Uh, Nikita's trying to say that he did uh, two years of military requirements by doing schooling, and and if they teach you a certain amount of disciplinary information that you can um, get by from actually joining the military. So we're going to see how this pans out. This was obviously the biggest scare, I think, for the Eaton Asphalt podcast right now for the 2020 season, yeah. I mean, what else are we going to talk about? (laughs) I mean, like (laughs) half of our jokes come (laughs) from our boy. This is supposed to be a comedy podcast, and yeah, since half of our jokes, like you said, come come from this one guy, I have a question. For these countries, like we had a uh, we had a Korean buddy that left college in the middle of his uh, I think sophomore junior year to go serve in the army in uh, in uh, South Korea. That made sense for our friend who wasn't the son of a billionaire oligarch. Like everybody, everybody has to like for all of the different things that I'm sure billionaire oligarchs slip money under the table for. Making your son join the military isn't one of them. Like that that seems insane to me. You think that he would have some sort of ties with the Russian government where he's like, guys, he's not coming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to be obviously keeping the listeners informed of this. We are as interested on the outcome of this as everyone else is. I was actually kind of curious, like, obviously there's been Russian, other Russian drivers that have come through Formula One uh, and... Like, why haven't we really seen this uh, come up recently? So we know that uh, Daniel Kvyat, who is not racing this year, but uh, he was able to avoid military service because he lived outside of the country of Russia. So obviously, maybe, you know, you got plenty of money, like move 
outside of the country <laughs> yeah. if, like worse comes to worse i don't know like that's could probably be an easy backup plan maybe have some foresight and see that this is a possibility if you know the rules of your country like if you yeah if you know that the rules of the country are that you have to provide military service then yeah move dude you have money to unless you're pretty much banned everywhere else which is also a possibility yeah we don't know yeah obviously so yeah uh, once again we will be sure to keep everyone updated with that and moving on so just moving up right before our sergio perez spotlight not only is this part of the pod brought to you by this ad but this entire podcast itself is actually brought to you by the petition for all countries to stop military requirements during young men's adult lives this has been a very very big cause that we at the eaten asphalt podcast caught our attention and something that we really wanted to focus on just rolling off on the ad i'm i'm reading off of the script like no man woman or child should be forced to serve if they have other obligations going on i think you know there's so many other things that you can represent your country in a great way do it respectfully don't you know sexualize don't demean other people of other genders and if you're going to be able to do that and do that in a good way i don't think you should be forced to just being like hey you have to come back to the country and serve for the military Totally agree. I mean, it's a disgusting practice, especially now that it's come to our attention in such a negative light, taking away our sweet, sweet boy. I, this is a cause that I know you've been super passionate about, and I plan to, uh, to fight to the very end for our, for our golden child. This is probably going to be something that we're going to bring back most episodes. Sign the petition, do what you can, put out the flyers. He's 22 years old. Isn't that kind of like a child soldier? I mean... Yes. <laughs> Perfect. So thoughts and prayers um, for Nikita Mazepin, as if he hasn't had it hard enough already. Um, facing some military time is not what he needs, especially as he's on such a good, positive slope, beating Lewis Hamilton, the seven-time world champion in a race. It's just, just disgusting all around. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, on a more positive note... In honor of Sergio Checo Perez winning the Baku Grand Prix or the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in Baku, we wanted to give a little spotlight on him, give a little bit of a background, his story into Formula One, through Formula One, and a little bit on his home life. So uh, Sergio Checo Perez, Mexican pay driver who's been on five different F1 teams, four if you don't count Aston Martin and Racing Point as different teams, but you know, this guy's beloved in Mexico. He's only the sixth driver ever from Mexico to race in a Grand P. Grand Prix. P. <laughs> Grand P. That's what you call your grandpa, isn't it? Peepaw? Grand, yeah, Grand Peepaw? And I have, like, I was holding in a P for all day. Oh, yeah. And it just comes out just shooting. That's the a Grand P. A Grand Prix, yeah. A Grand P is, the, is a P on a road trip where you can't find an exit, and then you get off. And you finally it. get it. And like, <laughs> uh, you get the shivers. Like a fucking Vegas fountain. That was a Grand P, my friends. <laughs> this is a great podcast. We're, we're good at this. Uh, um, okay, back to Sergio Perez. Checo is a pay driver, which sort of has a negative connotation. Um, but when I was looking into it, Basically, everybody on the grid is some kind of a pay driver, and, and some of the greats have been pay drivers. So guys like Nicky Lauda, Fernando Alonso, Michael Schumacher, people uh, with big achievements have been pay drivers in the past and present. Uh, but like I said, the truth is mostly everyone's a pay driver. It just exists at different extents with their sponsorship money and where it comes from. So obviously Lance Stroll has Lawrence Stroll, his dad, paying his way through. 
Checo doesn't have family money paying his way through, but he does have Telmex and Interprotección, which is an insurance company uh, across Mexico. Telmex is a telecom company. They've been with him for over a decade, and we're pretty instrumental in giving the guy a chance, moving him to Europe at a young age so he could compete in German formula. So started in Germany, moved to Asia, and after some really solid performances, solid years and years uh, that he backed up, he made it to Sauber's F1 team through the Ferrari Driver Academy. So just like uh, any pay driver coming into Sauber, uh, a lot of people doubted that he was there purely based on skill, so it was up to him to prove them wrong. And he essentially was given two years to prove himself on a contract. Sauber said, Mexican money's great, but it's only going to go so far if you suck as a driver in F1. So his first year was pretty standard for a rookie with a below average team. He got 16th with 14 points. But the second year was where he really started to prove that he was a driver that deserved to be there with a few standout performances. So, you know, eighth place in Australia and even P2 in Malaysia, which was his first podium in F1. Um, similar to other things that have happened later in his career, that P2 in Malaysia really caught the eye of McLaren, who at that point was looking to replace a certain Lewis Hamilton who had gone searching for greener pastures at Mercedes that year. So... This obviously got him released by the Ferrari Driver Academy, but honestly didn't really matter that much. He didn't really need them at that point. He finished P11 in the Drivers Championship at McLaren uh, that 2013 year. Pretty disappointing season for McLaren overall. It was their first season without a podium in 30 years. So kind of a first downturn that saw McLaren have a couple of tough years ahead. Obviously, they brought in Fernando Alonso, and Drive to Survive tells the rest of the story there. So the car in 2013 that McLaren constructed was really nothing special, so that P11 was something to really take note of, and it caught the eye of the Force India F1 team. At that point, Force India was in their seventh season of one of the more entertaining Ponzi schemes in F1. They took him on as a driver, and to this day, uh, people, including Perez himself, say that Checo basically saved people's jobs by getting miraculous performances out of a mediocre car, got them just enough prize money to scrape by for next season. If you don't know the story of Force India, it ended up going into administration in 2018. Basically means that, uh, you know, Vijay Malia was hunted down by essentially international police for fraud and skirting on his loans. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll keep that one. Um, but this was a, it really was a big deal because like Drive to Survive highlighted, Force India had a significantly smaller budget than most other teams and still being able to put out performances you know, like the 10th place performance at the end of the year that he got with Force India was something that was super, you know, to be noted. And by that time, it sort of started fizzling out that he's a pay driver and he was absolutely there on merit. So going back, Force India goes into administration because the Indian version of Donald Trump, Vijay Malia, started committing fraud, defaulting on loans. Lawrence Stroll, big billionaire Bond villain from Canada, comes in and buys the team, renames it Racing Point. He did this basically to give his son a seat, obviously, which booted out the beloved Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, and later, actually, the same thing happened to Checo Perez. They wanted to bring in the four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel, so Checo made the same fate of getting the boot from the Canadian billionaire in 2020. Not uncommon for this kind of thing to happen, um, and more often than not, it can be a career-ender because once you're out of the sport, it's tough to get back in from a money sponsorship standpoint and also a talent standpoint. Like You lose a lot of the muscle, you lose a lot of the instinct, and there's only 20 seats. 
Everyone kind of assumed this would happen with Checo. Articles were written about the highs and lows of Checo's career with titles saying, thank you, Checo, suggesting he was done at the end of the 2020 season. But as if the racing gods decided that they weren't done with Checo, the second to last Grand Prix of the 2020 season, Checo pulls off the unthinkable, something that hadn't happened to Checo for 10 years. He crosses the finish line in first place, wins the Secure Grand Prix after dropping back uh, to last place on the first lap. Definitely one of the coolest things I've seen in sports. Like this guy's been in F1 for 10 years and after 10 years is when he gets his first win. True to form for Checo, just as a couple of years in the past, a spectacular performance played a massive part in securing his next role, which was a number two driver at Red Bull Racing this year in 2021. A lot of different drivers who had new cars this year, Sebastian Vettel, Danny Ricardo, Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez, kind of struggled at the beginning of the season. But in his sixth race with Red Bull Racing, Checo brought home another win. That was the first time that a Red Bull driver not named Verstappen won a Grand Prix since Ricardo in 2017. Checo's just no doubt one of the more feel-good stories in F1. Like, the guy went from a Mexican version of Lance Stroll, like a little less, his dad wasn't paying his way through, but kind of similar idea. From there to Lewis Hamilton's replacement, you know, bright, young diverse star that that McLaren's bringing up, uh, you know, how are you going to fill those shoes to a guy that almost single-handedly saved a race team, getting those midfield points that were so important to Force India staying around, to now the guy who has seemingly given Red Bull their first real shot at a championship since, you know, early 2010. So not a lot to hate about this guy um, from a race standpoint, but that is just the racing side of things. So as for some of his personal life, Comes from a pretty good, stereotypical Roman Catholic Mexican family. Family, church, and soccer were pillars of his life growing up, sometimes not always in that order. Youngest of three, he's got an older brother and sister. The brother actually used to race NASCAR Mexico, which is a series that I did not know until I was researching it today. And the sister actually runs his foundation, which is the Checo Perez Foundation. Started as just a foundation for kids with cancer, but then expanded to focus on improving the lives of kids all across Mexico. So cancer, special needs, victims of natural disasters, orphans, like whatever it may be, Checo's there to help. And what's really cool is that he started that at the age of 22. Marco, what have you done or what had you done at the age of 22? I was going to ask, aren't you still getting helped by the Checo Pro Foundation <laughs> when you were 22? <laughs> Right? You're down there. Yeah, I was, I was down there, one of the orphans from, from the yeah, earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> just taking other people's resources. Yeah. Nice. That, that's how I got... I wasn't doing that at 22. That's how I got into F1. I was like, man, this, this Checo guy's got a lot of money. Who's this, who's this guy that... I'm the only 22-year-old still in this, <laughs> in this now, orphanage. I don't know why they don't want me to leave. <laughs> now, a lot of people have said that the Checo Perez Foundation, because his sister runs it, is kind of like a, uh, how you say, a tax shield. And a lot of the money isn't necessarily yes. legit. That's not important. We just like that he's helping kids with cancer, special needs, and orphans. So um, that's a part of his life. Outside of that, a couple of other things. He's a big golfer, big stock market lover. He's super into expensive watches. He's been known to leave things like his wallet, passport, etc., behind and not really realize it for a few days. And Whoopsies. really, all he needs is a binge drinking habit, and he would fit perfectly in with 90% of college fraternities, if you ask me. That sounds about right. Reminds me of a lot of people that we uh, went to school with. And a couple of other things. I found some stuff that I liked. 
During an interview, when asked what stupid purchases he's made from winning his millions, he said, I don't know where to start. I bought an electric helicopter for my dog. What do you think that is? I need to know. I was like, oh, I thought initially electric helicopter. He bought him for himself. Then maybe a kid. And then when he said his dog, uh, there's no way a dog's controlling it. And there's no way he's putting his dog in a mini flying helicopter. I don't know. I think those are the only two options, though. Either the dog can somehow control the helicopter or the dog goes in the helicopter. Because what? why is it for your dog? Dude, I, oof, I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a blender right now. <laughs> Uh, another interview that I saw, he was asked three people, living or dead, that he would take to dinner if he could. So get this. Senna, right? Ayrton Senna, Michael Schumacher, and Pablo Escobar. So, Hell yeah. <laughs> I know, dude. What an interesting yes. answer. Like, I would also like to take him, you know, for dinner just to be like, hey, man, how did you do that? Like, how did you, <laughs> like, how did you do the stuff that you did? So yeah, Senna, Schumacher, and Escobar, all three guys who have a pretty heavy association with speed. Nice. Yeah, nice. yeah nice. I was waiting for all podcasts to do that one. I was Nailed excited. <laughs> um, and then lastly, the most interesting thing that I found out about him, which seems so out of character, is that he has a fear called trypophobia. I'm going to turn it to you. What do you think trypophobia is? It's not having to do with anything psychedelics related. Fear of tripping over stuff and dying. Uh, close. He has a fear or aversion of clusters of small holes, bumps, or patterns. So think things like bubble wrap, honeycomb, basketballs, like you know how basketballs are. He can't touch a basketball. And even strawberries and pomegranates because of the small patterns that are around them. Oh my god. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm bringing a, a bunch of basketballs down to Austin. Oh, and I'm just going to be like... Press catch, and I'm just—he's gonna have to catch it. He's gonna, he's gonna be gonna terrified of you. And then, hey, hey, this is exactly what we do. Get eight. Hey, real listeners are gonna listen to this. Bet that Perez finishes very poorly in Austin because yeah. he is going to be in a pretzel he, after getting all. He's gonna be like, dude, people keep throwing basketballs at me all weekend. Strawberries, everything. He might even yeah get a do not start because he's so scared because he's like every time I leave the garage, people throw basketballs at me. And he's like, I'm I'm done. He's like, I don't like America. I'm out. <laughs> So yeah, the guy that can push a car over 210 miles an hour has a fear of seeing strawberries. So how about that? Everyone has their demons, I guess. I guess, but these are some pretty bitch demons. <laughs> well, all right, that was extremely interesting. Thank you, Ian, for sharing that. And uh, moving on, and our last little tidbit that we have this episode is just to finish off with some FAQs. So... Just going to run through these pretty quickly. People wondering what dirty air is. It's basically all the air from the car in front, and you basically lose downforce, lose performance. Uh, the car shakes a little bit more just because all this air that has been running through these engines coming out, it's actually starting to get into your engine and it's just kind of sucking on all this bad air. So, uh, that and then kind of, you know, there will be some rocks and small debris coming from the either engine or right behind the car so uh, that will usually affect the performance of the car as well people have been asking how much weight does a driver lose on the track during a race and about three kilos or six to seven pounds every single race uh, i feel like i gotta start racing in more grand prix if you know what i'm saying <laughs> fat joke and uh moving on 
<laughs> we had a question about what harvesting was. A lot of people think that the flashing red lights on the back of the car are the brake lights. F1 actually does not have any brake lights on their cars, but rather that flashing red at the end of a straight at the back of the car is just recharging the battery with thermal engine uh, and, and losing the electric engine. So it's essentially battery management. You can think of it a lot like just recharging um, when the battery's using. So when you hear drivers saying, hey, I need more power, it's not that their pit wall can give them more power, they can just put them into modes where you're not harvesting as much and you can actually go faster rather than just essentially recharging your battery. Finally, we had a question of what a chicane was or a chicane, if you're Fernando Alonso. A chicane is a serpentine curve in a road added by design rather than dictated by geography. In short, it's a curve, it's a little bit of an obstacle that makes the F1 drivers not just go straight. So, you know, Indy cars, for example, the Indy 500 just has an oval track, doesn't have any chicanes in it, but uh, chicanes are kind of where F1 drivers can make their difference in how they perform just from a, from a speed standpoint because of how quick can you get out of corners, how late can you brake, etc. And that'll do it for this very expedited episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. We have France coming up this weekend, so we will give you a quick overview of the track as well as what to be looking out for this coming race weekend. Um, and I think that's it for today. So appreciate everybody listening. Marco, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on again. <laughs> thanks for joining. Thanks for having me on to the podcast thanks that we made. Thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> All right. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.